regardless what you see in your sheet from this morning, this, this evening's lesson will be nothing like advertised. Uh, in fact, the prodigal's not even going to come up uh, this evening. It's not often I can look out and count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and I make 14. And that's not the preacher's count, that's the facts. <laughs> but it's good to see all of you here this evening. Good to see the Holtz back. I hope you had a good morning this morning, John. And uh, anyway, I thought we might spend just a very few minutes this evening. Uh, well, I'll ask you the question first of all. Uh, what do uh, Judas and the brethren at Corinth have in common? And while you're thinking about that, turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And of course, Corinth was divided, and they were so wrong on so many various uh, uh, things. And yet, their problem really comes down to what uh, Paul describes in the last part of chapter 2 and the early part of chapter 3. And so we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. Paul is speaking of the inspired word which he expresses to them both by his uh, speech and his writings. And he says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are not able still, for you are still carnal. And now turn with me to the book of John, and we'll find an illustration of this very thing in the 12th chapter of John, beginning at verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now, if it were not for this uh, few words given after uh, Judas's uh, misspeaking, uh, we might... Uh, believe well somehow he, he he just was wrong in his judgment he he was well intentioned but he didn't see the bigger picture 
but no, the text, the inspired text tells us clearly he didn't care for the poor. Uh, he was just interested in the money, and especially for the money because he stole from that very money box, and he realized if it came to him, he could have part of it. He was selfish. He was, he was dishonest. And remember, finally, it came to a full measure of fruition in selling Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver. So what does he and the Corinthian brethren have in common? Well, there's a phrase in that passage we read in 1 Corinthians that suggests the problem of that day, and especially with many in this Corinthian congregation, was that they were carnal and they were not able to spiritually discern things. And that's why clear truth could be expressed and yet just all this foolishness. They had all kinds of reason to, to disengage from it and dismiss the truth they heard because they were only listening for things that fed their narrative of carnality and material things, of things of this life. And so when Paul would speak of spiritual things, it'd just go right over their heads. Uh, the things of God described by God in his word, given to us by God's spirit, they are spiritually discerned. Uh, that's why in John 13, the very first, uh, or rather, Matthew 13, and the uh, parable Jesus tells there in the parable of the sower, uh, that's why in the first of those pictures that Jesus paints, it's of seed that's sown on, well, really it falls, on the wayside soil, describing those hearts that just never allow the word to penetrate, never take in the truth of God's word. And why? They have no interest. They are not spiritually discerning what they're hearing. And just like the seed is just snatched up by the birds and never penetrates the earth, just so the seed of God's word never finds entrance into their hearts because, because they just have no interest. They can't see the truth because they're not looking for it. The things of God have to be spiritually discerned. We have to have an interest in them. And an understanding of the... the, the world at large the Bible speaks of. And that was the problem of Judas. Now what's interesting, at least to me, is, and that's where we started at verse 1, is that here in John, Christ is eating dinner with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And if you had just been reading for a while and you uh, had just ran right through the changing chapters, uh, you would be thinking, well, that sounds familiar. I remember something about uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And, and by the way, wasn't one of those people dead at one time? Well, yes, just a few verses before this, one of the people at dinner had been deceased. He had been not just deceased, his body had been buried. And he wasn't just in a tomb, he'd begun to, well, he'd begun to smell. And yet Jesus had said simply, Lazarus, come forth, and he did. And here they are a few days later, they're at the table eating a meal together. Martha and Mary and Lazarus and Jesus, and here his disciples are as well, Jesus' disciples, and one of them is Judas, who sees 
uh, this wonderful expression of love that Mary shows. Now, you think, if anything, would jolt you into realization of what matters and what doesn't, what's spiritual and what's not, it would be what Judas has just seen. He's just experienced. He's just come to realize. Now, he's seen it before. But just fresh on the heels of a resurrection of a living person, and now that living person is at the, at the place of eating with his sisters in Jesus, it's very obvious what's happened and the power Jesus has and what matters. And yet, have you heard the expression, uh, if for a hammer everything looks like a nail? Uh, that simply means you, you find what you're looking for and sometimes you can't see anything past what you are looking for. Judas, with all he's seen, still can't see what matters, the spiritual. He just still sees what he's always seen how can I get my hands on some more money? And again, from our perspective, I hope from all of our perspectives this evening, we can take a step back and say, well, that didn't mean anything. Even the 30 pieces he got later for, uh, for uh, betraying Jesus, he didn't take that with him. He threw them back in their face. But if he hadn't done that, if he had it in his pockets, as it were, when he hung himself, he still couldn't have taken it with him. After he took his own life. Surely uh, he should have been able to see. That these things of the flesh simply do not matter. Compared to more important things. Those things that come from Jesus mouth and from Jesus person. As just expressed by the resurrection of Lazarus. Who's right here. Uh, when Judas makes this huge error of judgment. Well no he just shows his true colors. His true character who he is. And in that, uh, Judas is much like the Corinthian brethren. Why didn't they get it? Why were they always fighting and fuming and arguing? Why were they always pushing back against what Paul had to say? Why were they all always causing problems? Well, Paul says it's because they are carnal. They are like babes. They are not able to spiritually discern things. Uh, they're like the natural man that only sees natural things. And in the world, as a hammer, everything seems like a nail of what is happening now and matters to me. And so if you have that perspective, it doesn't matter about heaven or hell. It doesn't matter about the soul, the spirit. It doesn't matter about God or Christ, his son. It doesn't matter about the truth of what really is. What matters is, how can I get mine and more of it? Whether it's attention or fame or credit or in Judas's case, money. How can I get more of what I want? Well, that mindset was pervasive at Corinth. A me first, mine always mentality. And it was a natural man mentality, which did not discern spiritual things. Now, this in no way... Uh, besmirches those this evening who aren't here. I understand that. And I appreciate you being willing to come out this evening and, and do what you did to get here. I appreciate that. But why are you here? The reason is spiritual things matter. It, I'm not saying that's not the case for those who aren't here this evening. Believe me. But I am saying you would not be here 
if your life was spent in pursuit of nothing that was spiritual and if you were avoiding everything that was of a spiritual nature. That's why we serve. That's why we come. That's why we worship. That's why we are who we are and do as we do as Christians. That should be all we're about. And if that's the case, many of the problems that the epistles speak of shouldn't be our problems. Because all the problems the epistles address are those of the natural man. That that wants what it wants. It wants the best it can have. It wants to amass things for itself, kind of like Judas. Kind of like the Corinthian brethren. And if you've ever wondered, well, why, uh, when I talk to my neighbor, my friend, my, uh, my relative, my loved one about uh, spiritual things, they just seem to be glassy-eyed and glazed over when I'm talking. It's because you have to have a discernment of spiritual things to ever get through talking about spiritual things. I have interest outside the scriptures, many of them. But there are some things that may interest you that just don't interest me. And I'll be nice to you, and I'll listen to you, and I'll nod at you, and I'll maybe ask a question or two, but it'll be obvious by the fact I don't remember anything after we stopped talking that I really did not have an interest in that subject. And there are subjects that I might be interested in that you're not. That's just the way life is. A lot of people just aren't interested in spiritual things. Now, whether I, I'm interested in painting or quilts or whatever, it matters nothing about my going to heaven. Uh, whether you uh, like the cowboys or quantum physics or not, matters nothing about going to heaven. But if we lack a discernment of spiritual things, it does matter. Because we're talking about Things that have to do with more than just this life. More than just the here and now. And so that's why we urge so often uh, fundamental things like reading the scriptures and spending time in devotion and time in prayer and time in meditation and thought about what the Bible teaches. Because that's the way you build this discernment, this interest, this, this hunger as the Bible puts it, for spiritual things. Uh, we can all do better about it, and hopefully we can do something about helping others who don't have it to have it, but at the same time, it's our choice to have a spiritual discernment or not. And by the way, as we close, uh, uh, an ancillary or at least an auxiliary uh, note here, do you know why Judas hung himself and Peter came back to the Lord? Well, it's this very reason. For all of Peter's problems, look at what he says all the way through. He was wrong on so many counts. And yet he always looked to the Lord as, he was the one who spoke first on more than one occasion. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Wrong as he was, he had a spiritual interest. And because of that, his faith was firm enough in Christ to give time enough for restoration. Uh, Judas, uh, he was sorry for what he had done. He threw the money back at the feet of those he had taken it from. 
but he lacked that same faith in his Lord that Peter had because I think Judas went to his grave, if he had one, with a physical mindset, seeing nothing past the here and now and right this moment. Uh, we all can do better, but I'm thankful that we've at least reached the point we're at, to have a spiritual discernment the Bible speaks of. Well, this is a bit shorter than usual this evening, but I think we're short in number and also short in message and perhaps short in the entire service, but given the circumstances, I think it's wonderful we've come together, and I, for one, appreciate you being here. And perhaps this will be the only time this year we have a situation like this. Uh, I'm kind of like Don, as I said earlier. I, uh, we had some pretty small groups over at 10th, but I can't remember a time quite like this in the auditorium. Uh, it's a, uh, I wish all of you could stand up here and see what it looks like from here. And you realize this is a, this is a strange turn of events. But glad you're all here. Thank you so much. If you need to come, come now together with Stan and Sing.